We're worried about the supplies we're going to get for our kids. We're worried about the tech gadgets we're going to get for our kids. But what about what they're learning? Should we have a an education system that puts content knowledge at the forefront? Well, Michael Zwagstra says, yeah, that's still really important. He is a uh, public high school teacher. He uh, believe you, you teach math, don't you, Michael? Uh, I have taught math. I actually currently teach social studies at the high school level, but when I used to teach grade five, math was one of the main subjects I taught. All right. You're also uh, an education researcher. You've got a new report out with the Frontier Center for Public Policy, where you've uh, uh, published many papers on education over the last several years. Uh, The latest one's called Content Knowledge is the Key to Learning, and you're looking at fads in education. First off, let's start with what the heck is content knowledge? This sounds like more gobbledygook from education uh, consultants. <laughs> well, content knowledge is very, it's, it's simply put, it's just simply facts in your, that, you, that you would have in your brain. So when I talk about content knowledge, I'm talking about knowing specific things and knowing things by memory. So, for example, you know, in, a, in an area like history, knowing about key individuals, dates, places, in science, understanding scientific laws and concepts, and in an area like math, knowing your multiplication times tables and standard algorithms. That's what I mean when I talk about content knowledge. We have been talking about Canada 150 incessantly across the country, but especially here in the nation's capital. And I bet that I could go out and ask a whole pile of people when Confederation was, and they wouldn't be able to say 1867. And that's unfortunate. I mean, everyone should know. And everyone should know a lot more than that, because in order to have a proper discussion in order to think critically about any topic you need to actually know something about it and this is where the content is so important you know my concern about where education is going is that we're it's often called 21st century learning it's one of those fads that's really out there ontario is one of the provinces that's really pushing it right now by the way where it's all about teaching critical thinking and creativity in, in separation from key concepts, separate from, con- from content. And my point in the report is that you can't think critically without the content. And that, so that does involve, you, you do need to have memorization uh, and skills that are mastered in order to think critically. One of the things that we keep being told as parents going in to look at what's going on with the kids, so, but they don't need to know the facts. They just need to know how to learn. I know. I, I, I don't know that what that means. <laughs> Well, it's, 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 it's plain ridiculous because the evidence is quite clear that knowing how to look something up is just not sufficient. So, for example, you know, something as simple as understanding what you read. A key thing in reading comprehension isn't just being able to decode the words individually. It's about knowing what the words mean and the overall content of what you're reading. If, you, if, if a topic is too unfamiliar to you, you're just not going to read the article because you're not going to be bothering to look up every other word. One of the research studies I cited in the report looked at this question of who benefits more from looking up information, experts or novices? And the answer is experts, because they know what to look up, they know how to look it up, but more importantly, they know how to filter out correct and incorrect information. So just handing someone a computer and saying, look it up, they're just as likely to get you faulty information as correct information. Well, and then essentially people's knowledge base is Wikipedia, and uh, tell me, Michael, um, speaking with Michael Zwagstra, public high school teacher and a- education researcher, uh, Michael, if I handed in a, a paper in your class and everything I cited was from Wikipedia, how would you grade me? 
Well, that certainly wouldn't be sufficient as a source. It's, uh, I don't mind using Wikipedia as an initial, you know, let's just see what some general information about this topic is, but you better be looking at the sources and, 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 what, and what's in that Wikipedia article. And, uh, but, you know, when you read a Wikipedia article, the best way to be able to determine whether the information in it is correct or not is to already know a lot about the topic. And so I'm a history teacher, so I know quite a bit about people like John and McDonald. And so I could discern pretty fast if there is a Wikipedia article claiming that John and McDonald was a key American politician during the Civil War in the United States. I would just be able to filter that out really fast because I know facts about him. Imagine someone who knows nothing about him. And they would easily be led astray by something like that if it looks realistic. So you need to have the facts and knowledge in your brain. I like that you're bringing it towards history and, and other issues and not just um, math, because it is the go-to example for me is the times tables. Mm -hmm. uh, we all used to have to stand up in class and recite the times tables. It was rote memorization uh, or rote learning, and it, it played a part. It was a building block, but you're saying it's also a building block for other subjects outside of math. Well, absolutely. And uh, it's, you know, because you, you look at a topic like history, I notice the difference. When, I, when I'm teaching my classes, I know that the students that are coming into my classes usually don't have a lot of background knowledge in the history course that I'm teaching. And I, I'm amazed at the progress, you know, when we get a few months into the course and we have our class discussions about current events, their critical thinking skills are way up once we're well into the course because now they know a lot more about the history of whatever country we're studying. And so one of the courses I teach at is optional is, is American history. Well, we have way better discussions about some of the issues going on in the United States after they've learned about the Civil War and some of the key people involved in the history of slavery and segregation. Once they know the historical background, they can give much better critical thought than if they didn't. It's not enough to just simply teach critical thinking as though it was some transferable skill. Uh, and no, you need to actually know specific facts. And yes, there is a certain amount of memorization and practice involved. You, uh, you cite in, in your paper a dictionary definition. I mean, how ridiculous is that? You, you went to a dictionary? A dictionary definition from the Cambridge Dictionary of what critical thinking is. And it says, the process of thinking carefully about a subject or idea without allowing feelings or opinions to affect you. Well, how do you have critical thinking if you don't have any background, as you say? Well, exactly. And this is, this is a key point that I make in the paper, is that in order to think critically about something, you need to know facts about it. Now, it will be clear, and this is something I also do say in the paper, that just because you have knowledge, that doesn't guarantee that you'll be a critical thinker. You can know a lot about a subject and not think critically. I mean, you can be biased and brainwashed and all of that. But the content knowledge, the background knowledge about a topic is a prerequisite to critical thinking. You, it doesn't guarantee critical thinking, but you can't think critically without it. Uh, I would just ask everyone who is listening, think about the times when you've been in a, with a group of people discussing a topic and, you know, one of the people jumps in with their opinion and it's clearly clear they know nothing about the topic. I'm pretty sure that you don't usually think, wow, that was really insightful. Usually you think, boy, that person knows nothing about this topic. Maybe they shouldn't be talking right now. Uh, and that's just simply what happens if you don't have any knowledge. How prevalent is uh, this idea of not having content knowledge, of not having the background information taught in schools, uh, specifically Ontario, but I'm guessing, it, is it across the country, and how prevalent is it in Ontario? Well, it is across the country, and uh, to various degrees. I mean, you see 
there, there's a lot of groupthink among those in the higher-ups in the education system and in education departments and education faculties where teachers are trained. Uh, it's moving very fast in this direction in Alberta and British Columbia. The governments there are very open about their curriculum reforms and that they're focusing on the process of learning rather than content. And Ontario is moving in this direction, too, with this emphasis on 21st century learning or 21st century skills, as they call it. And what are the impacts of that? Well, we certainly see it in a subject like math, where the discovery approach uh, has coincided with a decline in test scores, as was further evidenced by the uh, EQAO results that uh, came out just today, where only 50% of grade 6 students are proficient in math. Uh, so we see the impacts already, and, uh, but yes, it is certainly happening in Ontario and in other provinces as well. Now, you teach in Manitoba. You obviously don't subscribe to this. Uh, I'm guessing there's lots of teachers out there that don't subscribe to this way of thinking. Do they have to teach in this fashion? Depends, it, frankly, it depends on the school and the school division. Uh, there are lots of teachers who, who agree with what I'm putting out. This is a, a common view among teachers because teachers, teachers value their subjects and we value students. And you can value the content and you can value students at the same time. And if we want to empower students, particularly those from uh, you know, poor backgrounds who are coming to school with a knowledge deficit, we need to be doing all the more to be making sure that we provide as much content knowledge and skills as we can right from the beginning uh, in kindergarten and grade one. So there's lots of teachers who agree with me. And as far as how much flexibility they have and how they teach, it frankly depends on their school and their uh, personal situation. It's, uh, I just looked up the EQAO results. Uh, grade, through, grade three students, uh, only 62% met the provincial standard yep. in math. Uh, that's down from 67% in 2013. In yeah, grade six, it's only 50% meeting the provincial standard compared to 57% in 2013. Those aren't very those aren't very good numbers, but as predictable as is predictably happening, uh, the people who have something to to lose with changing uh, the system from where it's gone, they're already blaming. You know, they're they're saying, oh, they, we don't like these EQAO tests. They don't really mean anything. They're not really measuring what they're supposed to measure. I mean, that's that's the type of argument that they'll use. I mean, they love using these types of numbers when when there is school divisions or areas where it's showing kind of what they'd like to see, but whenever the numbers are lower, they, t they tend to get discounted very quickly, and that's unfortunate. Does, is there a difference, speaking with Michael Zagstra, uh, education researcher, public high school teacher, uh, Michael, you look at the, the, the numbers when it comes to kids in grade 9 and applied math versus academic math. Uh, the grade 9... Uh, level, it's 83% of grade 9 students enrolled in academic math met the provincial standard, but only 44% of grade 9 students in applied math met the provincial standard. So we're, we are really failing the kids who are at the lower end of learning or ability when it comes to math. If less than half are passing it, is there a difference between in this learning style uh, that they've adopted for math in Ontario between those that are just going to be the math whizzes versus those that need to, to get the basic functions out? Well, I think there's a few things to consider here. One is that, uh, and again, this is very, you know, very general, but obviously on average, you know, if you've got students that are, you know, that are coming to school that are, that are naturally inclined to do well academically and you combine that with coming from a home that's an upper middle class home where there's resources and tutoring available and, all, and, and support from parents, 
Uh, you have students like that, even though you know the system isn't functioning as well as it should for them. In many cases, they will still do okay because of all the other supports they have in place. But if you have students who um, are academically weak, they're coming to school with a deficit, particularly a knowledge deficit, and they fall further behind in areas like their reading comprehension and their math skills, uh, we shouldn't be surprised uh, that, their, uh, uh, that their scores are low. What's really key is that making sure we focus on content knowledge because the group of students that it's the most important to are actually the students who are uh, at, the, at the, the, the lower end, the students who come from the low socioeconomic status homes, the poor homes. Those are the students that benefit the most from the type of things that I'm promoting here. All right, Michael, thanks for the time today. You're welcome, Brian. Always good to be with you. All right. It is the most wonderful time of year for parents as we get ready to send the Munchkins back to school. Not sure the kids would agree with it. You can find out more about what Michael has to say. I'll make sure I post this, uh, the piece up on my Facebook page, but it's fcpp.org. Content knowledge is the key to learning. Michael Zwagstrup.